Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Walls. I'm your host, Lauren Springman, and on this podcast, you'll be informed, entertained, and educated on everything in the real estate industry. I'd like to introduce our guest today. His name is Blake Jesse with Keller Williams Core Group. Welcome, Blake. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for having me on the podcast today, Lauren. Thank you for coming on it. Okay, so before we get started with everything, explain you're with Keller Williams, but you are the core group. Right. So Keller Williams allows uh, teams to be formed because a lot of times, you know, you'll have that Wall Street feel with one of the big names like Keller Williams, Remax, Century 21. Um, But we know that real estate is a hyper local, more Main Street type business because it is a service business at the end of the day. Um, So Gary Keller, I think back in like the 80s or early 90s or so, uh, kind of formed just uh, the, the idea of teams in and of itself. Uh, and since then, pretty much all the major brokerages have adopted the model. And how many people are in your, are you the main? So I'm the, I'm the owner operator. Owner operator. Um, yes. The right now I have a few showing assistants, a transaction manager, and I'm actually looking to hire uh, in a full-time executive assistant. So if y'all know anybody, great. I'm going to throw that out there. I'm oh, looking dang. to connect with good people. Yes, for sure. I'll have to keep that in mind. Maybe some of them, are they going to be working from home or are they, well, I guess you're working from home now too, right? No, I'm, I'm here in my office, uh, even though it doesn't look like it. I relax in my office every now and then. So that's why the, the couch is in the back there. <laughs> um, no, you definitely need a couch in your office, you know. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. Very, for sure. Okay, but so it, 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 in terms of the, uh, the assistant, it'll be kind of a hybrid model most of the time in the office. Um, but I certainly understand, you know, needed some time at the house, too. So so you're the only like agent on the right. team. And but you're right. showing agents have to have it a license as well, correct? Or am I wrong? That's correct. They do. Okay. They do. Yeah, that's one of my standards. Okay. And um, I feel like some another agent was telling me back in the day, if you have people helping you with showings or open houses and stuff like that, they didn't have to have license, but now they do or no. I believe that that has changed. I don't know when it did. Um, I mean, just for me, it, it makes no sense to, well, one, you can't really access the property without your license um, uh-huh. because you don't have access to a Supra, uh, the Supra key boxes. Um, so that's first and foremost. And then secondly, I mean, I, don't really, I imagine there's something in our like realtor, real estate agent um, uh, certificate or whatever you want to call it, license that allows us to actually enter in homes without getting charged for breaking an entry. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I you should not do that and see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll let somebody else be the guinea pig for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. Don't live on the edge. I mean, I don't know why you don't want to have like a record on you. <laughs> kind of weird, but I've, I've had it crazy instances where um, there, the showing wasn't notified to the client and I walk in and they're like, what the heck's going on? I was like, I literally was confirmed. I have the email here. Your agent's on fault here. So it, they're usually really kind about it. And then yeah. they're just mad at their agent, of course. But right. Um, it's- Don't they get text messages? Because I usually, I have, I just sold my house um, and we would get text messages. There was like a text message system or something, but sometimes yeah, they didn't a- come through. Ah, okay. So there's a few different uh, showing coordinating um, service systems, whether it be showing time or um, CSS or, you know, HAR in and of itself has one that they're kind of building out right now. Um, And I guess they, you can kind of set it up either a text, email, a call, whatever it is. Okay, cool. So how did you get started in the industry? Um, So actually a great question. I love answering. Um, So I had thought about being in real estate since about 09. Um, and the reason for that, my family was actually foreclosed on back in the, um, back in the, the uh, financial crash back then, that was mainly caused by the housing industry. Uh, that was the single most impactful event in my entire life, even to this date. 
Um, it ended up spurring a, a lot of negative things with family. I mean, uh, it really, really impacted my entire life. And even to this day, there's still some impacts from it. Um, so I always wondered, I was like, my parents are, I mean, they're pretty smart people. Um, how, how could this happen? You know, they, they never overextended themselves or anything along those lines. And um, after a year of moving into this house, they were a extremely overextended um, and we ended up getting foreclosed on. So I found that it really was kind of the um, adverse advice um, from our, our agent, the lender, and a lot of things um, of the professionals that should have trust or that we should have had our trust in, mm -hmm. uh, which we did, but it obviously turned out to backfire there. Um, so my thought was, what can I do to prevent that from happening to other people? And the answer was getting in the industry and just doing it the right way. I like that. So was it the downturn in the eighties with the oil downturn or was it 2000? Um, was it 2008? It was uh, 2008, 2009. We we're actually foreclosed on in Oh, nine. Uh, an Oh nine. Okay. Man, yep. that was a hard time too. I was, um, I was, my ex was in the oil industry, so we lived through it and oh yeah, we were just great. I was just grateful. His dad was in the oil, has been in the oil industry his whole life. So he, we were able to make it through, um, but this time he didn't make it through. So, I mean, it's, it's scary. It really is. It really is. And it's so, it's so unfortunate because it's completely out of your control, you know, with those major economic factors, you know, just one person can't do it, you know, no. so gotta, gotta roll with the punches, have those backup plans. So what do you think you're um, all like the mortgage, the lenders, your agent, when they were giving your parents advice, what do you think they could, what, what could have they done differently? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I was probably, I was 13 at the time, so I wasn't privy to all the conversations and everything like that. So I don't want to, you know, hundred percent blame them, For sure. um, but even still to this day, I mean, my parents still are, are of the mindset that something else could have been done. And, and being in the industry, I really just think it comes down to listening to what your client's needs are and understanding, you know, that, Hey, you know, you might be pre-approved for $450,000. That doesn't mean you need to spend $450,000. You know, maybe you have a lifestyle um, outside of just your home um, and, and, you know, physical, um, uh, you know, um, assets mm -hmm. and whether it be, you know, traveling or just paying for kids sports and stuff like that. And people need to, to I guess, listen to that. And that's why I have such an in-depth questionnaire that I talk to all my clients about. And we really figure out what those goals are as, as much as we can. Um, and then from there, you know, compare it to what the market is and Hey, yeah. if there's a strategy to connect a to B, then we do it. If not, we need to make a few alterations. We give our honest opinion back to them and, and we make those alterations. I think that's great. Well, one, I need to have a separate job just for my kids' sporting stuff because it is yeah. <laughs> expensive. I'm like, it's how much? I remember when I was playing sports, it was not that much, but I guess it's probably just relative, right? Is probably, I mean, my dad always said it was expensive. So, but um, yeah. <laughs> but I like how you said to, even though you got approved for $450,000, does not mean you have to get that. You're like, you don't want to be house broke. Right. Exactly. That, that's the term I always like to use. You don't want to be house broke for no. sure. And so how do you kind of break it to your clients who do want to spend that much money? Like, how do you maneuver around that in a way that won't, I guess, offend them or, you know? Yeah. Um, well, generally it, it comes down to kind of understanding the client on a personal level, you know, understanding kind of what their lifestyle is like. And, and, you know, you kind of do have to make some educated guesses. You know, if, if you know that, you know, one is a, I don't know, a um, uh, a mid-level manager, and then maybe the others a nurse, you know, maybe they're uh, combined for 150 on, on their income. 
and they're driving around in Mercedes and they have the Louis Vuitton bags and they want, you know, they might've gotten approved for 300,000 and they want to spend 2,500 bucks a month on their, um, you know, principal insurance taxes and, uh, and interest. Um, you might, you might, you know, just have a conversation and say, Hey, you know, if, if right now y'all are spending $1,700 on y'all's, uh, on y'all's rent, um, and y'all are going to be first time home buyers, there's going to be some unexpected costs that, you know, you're going to be, uh, expected to make, uh, whether that be, you know, an AC going out or foundation issues, whatever, even if it's something even less minor than that, um, are y'all comfortable one upping your budget by $800 and then also putting aside a, a reserve fund on a monthly basis for when those issues do come, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I like how you're not only being their agent, but kind of like their financial advisor and like being like, hey, guess what? This is reality. Like just because you could do spend $2,000 a month on your, you know, your mortgage, like, do you really want to? Right. And, and I, I, it's really kind of a slippery slope because you don't want to overstep your bounds and, and people are very, very... Um, protective over their financial situation. It's, it's, you know, it's sensitive information. Um, but, but it's reality day, though, right? It, it is reality. I mean, you're a hundred percent right. It, it's, I mean, and you don't want to like, it is. it's like, it, I feel like you would be in a tough situation. Like you don't, you know, as an agent, like you were talking about how your the agent got, you know, got your parents disclosed for closure or whatever. Um, so you don't want your clients to be in that situation, but some clients are like, no, I want to, you know, be bougie and I want to spend this much money. And like, I want to, lived the 30,000, what is it? And when I used to live in Dallas, it was a $30,000 millionaire or something, they called them. They like, drove around in, like a Mercedes. I know a lot like, of those people. <laughs> I know me too. I seriously, I still drive yeah. my 2012 Armada and I'm waiting for her to blow up on the side of the road. I don't there have a go. car payment, <laughs> but you know, it's hard because some people do want to live outside that lifestyle. And I feel like that would be hard to maneuver for you probably ethically you can correct me if I'm wrong, like ethically in your way and also wanting to help your client get what they want. Right. And at the end of the day, hey, you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. I love that saying. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's good. That's like you guys not now you're not only did I think, you know, agents were, you know, agents and then also psychologists and counselors. You're also being the financial side, which I like because I haven't really talked to a lot of agents that have talked about that with their clients. Yeah. And I think that's what separates me uh, from a lot of the agents in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, I, I, I hate to say it, but there are there is a kind of a connotation with agents and um, the old, you know, saying like used car salesmen. Um, yes. People just think that agents want to get that commission and, and just, you know, get out the door. That, that's the complete opposite approach that we take. Um, in fact, I've, I've turned clients away, you know, whenever I, I have that kind of feeling uh, going on and, and they don't trust me because that's that's an, that's the number one thing. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm going to be helping you purchase the biggest asset that you'll more than likely ever purchase in your entire life i think we need to have some level of trust oh i tell everyone so we do this it's a called a um oti presentation where we go to like brokerages and you know teach um listing agents buying age selling agents everybody how to prepare um their clients for an inspection like you know like what their mm -hmm. client should prepare for and the number one thing that we always say is you have to have trust with your clients Mm -hmm. or else negotiating in the future could be hard. Like something comes up if the client doesn't tell you about something about the house and you're like, wait a minute, what? You know what I mean? Like there has to be a level of trust and if they don't trust you. I mean, I mean, any, in any part of your life, right? A hundred percent. 
I completely agree with that. I mean, it's just, uh, especially, you know, inspectors, y'all have to use certain um, language in y'all's yes. reports. And uh, a lot of times, whenever it's just a simple $20 repair to replace the GFCI plug, uh, that makes it sound like the house is about to fall apart. And yes. a first-time home buyer, that's exactly what they're going to think. Oh. And if you tell them, hey, this is not a big deal at all, and they're like, well, Blake, you know, the way it's boarded, blah, 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 you know, and it's like, just trust me, this is $20 to take yes. care of, $30, whatever hey, it is. So. Remind me when we get off of here, I have a deficiency sheet that we have printed out that you can give to your clients and it has the top things that they should just focus on in the report when your clients are reading it. I love that. I would yeah. definitely appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to send that. that for sure. I'll send that over though. Just because for when you said first time home buyers, I remember the first time I spot a home, my ex, it was like his second or whatever, but I was like, it was like a hundred page report. I was like, you're telling me this this house is brand new. Like we didn't even move in yet. Like no one has <laughs> ever lived in this. Yes. No one has yeah. ever lived in this house. Is it going to fall down on me? I have two little, right. they're like, he's like, you need to chill out. And I was like, well, this report needs to chill out because. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I also tell clients. You know, I'm like, look, even a brand new home is going to have, you know, a few issues popping up in the inspector. You're paying an inspector to find problems. They're going to find problems. That's, For sure. That's their job. And I will say from personal experience, when selling a house, like, oh, I know a lot of people, like, I was like, I don't want to get an inspection before I sell the house. Well, it just so happened it was like our warranty. So we had an inspector come in, you know, like they have like the, the okay, builders. yeah, yeah, the two, one, two, 10 or whatever. Right. So we had the inspector come in and do like just like the major components and stuff like that. The house was a year old or something. It had, they, the builder didn't do half the stuff. And I mean, it was a really nice builder too. And I was like, you forgot to put in like, the rest of the wall up in the attic or you know like, oh things like that. I know so like I always am like from experience not because I work for an inspection company but definitely do like the new construction three phases because people are human and they mess up I'm a big proponent of that as well so who so besides the horrible issue that would happen with your parents what else like was your parents the one that kind of like inspired you to go into this or is this just a self-motivated thing um, I would say a little bit more so self-motivated. So to be completely honest, I did not have a lot of ambitions growing up. Uh, I, I, uh, it, it was not something that really um, uh, kind of struck a chord with me when it happened. But I, it, over the last two or three years, it's constantly played in, in my mind. And, and that story is uh, my senior year of high school, 2013, um, we were having to do um, kind of like a, an icebreaker where we just, you know, drew a picture or like made some craft about what we wanted to be, you know, uh, after high school or after college, whatever. And I sat there the whole time and I had absolutely no idea. Um, and I ended up, you know, my teacher was like, you got to get something down on the paper. And so I ended up just drawing a, a Brinks truck and I wanted to be like a Brinks truck driver, which for those who don't know, those are the guys that deliver money and they get to like carry a shotgun or whatever. And I, it was, it was just horribly embarrassing. Money and um, guns. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it was, it's exciting, I guess, in some yeah. capacities. Um, but she, I remember her literally just scoffing at it. Like, uh, like it was, I, I, I don't know. I mean, being a 17, 18 year old kid and hearing that it was, it, it impacted me a little bit, but you know, I mean, I just was prideful and let it roll off my shoulder and, you know, no. just kept, kept it going. You're um, telling me a 17 year old boy or 18 year old boy had too much <laughs> pride? I know it's hard to believe, but if you can imagine that, then, then I'm trying. <laughs> um, so I just kind of let that roll off. And then um, over the last few years, I've really, you know, it's kind of um, whether I it subconsciously affected me or not, I'm pretty confident it did because like I said, the last two or three years just kind of replayed in my head quite a few times since I've, I've gone way further than where I am now than where I ever thought I would be. You know, I'm only 26. So I still have a lot of life to live, a lot of career to take You're out. You're just a baby. I am. I am. So um, that, I mean, so I guess subconsciously it kind of kicked me in the rear and was like, Hey, Blake, like 
you got to wake up, you know, you don't have a plan at all. You need to really get focused and figure out what you want to do. Um, and then when I was in college, um, after my uh, freshman year, I ended up just getting a job at a leasing, um, uh, a leasing office at an apartment complex. And that kind of reiterated that, Hey, I do enjoy sales. I do enjoy entrepreneurship. Um, I do not like the nine to five lifestyle. And I want to more so live that uh, life by design instead of default. And I think real estate is a perfect career for that because there's a million different things that you can do within the industry, a uh, million different ways to make money. Uh, you get to talk to people and in some capacity, create your own schedule. Well, so since you're only 26 and you have a very successful real estate and, you know, business and having all of these, you know, you need an executive assistant now, there's a lot of people coming in your age and probably even younger that think that it's just going to fall in your lap. And, you know, like you're like, they're like, oh, well, he's 26 and, you know, he has this great business and all this stuff. And it was just that easy for you. You just like, you know, snapped your fingers and it happened. I wish it was. I wish it was. Um, but starting off, so this is going to be my fifth year in real estate here at this point. And the first three years, every Monday through Friday, and then about four hours on Saturday as well, I was making anywhere from four to 500 phone calls a day. Um, so it was a minimum of about 2,500 phone calls every single week. And um, I was attacking expired listings and terminated listings. Um, and that's about five hours on the phone on a weekday and about three or four on the weekend. Um, it was not great on the mental health. Uh, it was a ton of work, a ton of rejection. You're maybe only getting, I don't know, 10 to 20 yeses out of the oh, yeah. 400, 450 no's that you're hearing. Um, and, and no's is, that's the nice, you know, I know is like, thank God, I just got to know, you know, you might get something else way worse than that. Uh, oh, whenever yeah. you're making those calls. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was an extreme amount of hard work, um, but that's something that my dad had instilled in me. I'm not afraid of the hard work. You know, I'm, I'm, I embrace it. And I really do think that if you kind of get lost in it, you know, you look up after a few years and you're in a totally different place, totally different mindset. Um, and you get to kind of uh, enjoy the fruits of those labors. Um, I, I'll, I'm happy to say since the pandemic, I have not made one expired or terminated phone call and I'm blowing my numbers out of the water from last year and, and really any other year in, in real estate. So um, it came awesome. to, to building that huge um, uh, database and staying persistent and consistent with those individuals um, and then just fostering and harvesting the, um, uh, the referrals that were coming yeah. in. I think one of the main points for me, what you just explaining all of that is the fact that you did the hard work and now your hard work is paying off. It's not going to just pay off in, you know, two months or a year. I feel like a lot of people have said, you know, like the first six months, you probably won't make anything as an agent. But lately mm -hmm. I've been hearing agents saying that the good first three years are the hardest years of trying to be an agent. Definitely so. Um, it was really about year four when I started seeing, I, I don't know if it was just coincidental or if it's just kind of uh, the law of averages, um, yeah. but you typically hear, you know, year four is when those referrals start to roll in. I think at that point, you know, you, your family and friends and people on social media see, okay, this guy didn't just, you know, wake up and get his license and is, you know, not a true professional. Uh, they see that it's a career. They see that you've created a business and they see that you have success to stand on. Um, so, you know, at that point, the referrals start coming in. And referrals are a lot better uh, than just a random cold call uh, to deal with. Generally what do you speaking, mean? Of course. You don't want to do the four to 500 <laughs> phone cold calls a day? Uh, not anymore. Nope. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm passed out. But hey, if I have to, I'll get back on the phone. Hey, so, you, you know, know you if I never do start dropping, I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> that's see, that's a good mindset because a lot of people will be like, well, no, I did all that work. I'm not going to do it again. You know what? Sometimes you're going to have to get back down to the nitty gritty and level one again. You know what I mean? And start over. Yeah. And you got to be humble. Got to yes. be humble. 
and at 26, having that mindset from going from 17 to being too much pride to 26. I mean, come on now. That's pretty good. Your parents I appreciate were right. that. I, I actually haven't made that connection yet. That's, um, that makes me a little proud. Thank you. Oh, you should, <laughs> I'm telling you, you should be proud. And I, and I really bad at like, I can't lie. Like my face will, you know, tell it. So I'm being truthful. <laughs> I seriously, I think that's great. You know, cause a lot of guys and girls, but you know, like, still at 26 their still pride is i mean i know i'm 37 so i still know men in their 30s and 40s that their pride is still kicking in i mean it will oh, yeah. but like you know the mindset i think it's great I right think you should pat yourself on the back and go get yourself a cookie <laughs> <laughs> thank you <You're> <laughs> maybe later <laughs> um so tell me this is my favorite question the craziest thing you've seen in a house ah i had to actually prepare for this one um because Oh, wait, no, no, that's what it was. I was trying to think of something last night for, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And, and I couldn't necessarily jump on anything that was crazy. Um, but how about I give you something really, really cool that everyone can aspire to, to have at their house one day? Um, it was okay. recently, it was actually last month. Um, we were showing a house um, over in Katy, as a matter of fact. So West Houston. Yeah, that's and... I'm out in Oh, you are? Okay, mm -hmm. awesome. So yeah, you're, you're familiar with the area mm -hmm. then, of course. Um, and there was a um, an eight tap, beer tap on uh in his kitchen not like in his game room in his bar it was straight up in his kitchen um and then the kitchen backed up to the utility room and he had basically a keg room in there with like eight i mean basically eight uh, half kegs all in there and i thought it was so cool i mean i, I wish i would have taken a picture of it but I, I don't have it um but it was it was awesome hey. i kind of want one now too <laughs> so growing up i grew up on the east coast right so we had basements so okay. we, our friends had like you know bars in the basements but i think the most they ever had a beer test was like two or three but eight i wonder yeah. if he makes his own beer that may have been it that may have been it um you know, but i don't know they, i mean they look they looked like official like taps and everything like I, he had a yeah. goosehead one uh, which is a pretty recognizable uh, like a budweiser and there were a few that were just like black like little um like knobs. So I'm assuming those may have been either specialty or like you said, maybe something that he makes. Did he I would, have like I would a real probably say he would he probably made it actually. That makes sense. Did you taste any? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, I would have made the story way cooler. I mean like I'm just gonna take a taste test of all of these ones to see which just want to make sure that it's not flat or he you know he did the cake yeah. right. You know I, I get a little nervous with all the cameras and everything that everyone has now. So I, I try to be on my best behavior inside yeah. <laughs> Try not to be too creepy because you know Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did, did he have anything else now like I want to like did he have like a cool big bar or was it just the eight beer taps so he had the eight beer taps in the kitchen um he did have a bar upstairs in his game room and just a ton of like awesome memorabilia I know he had like a signed Michael Jordan LeBron Kobe uh A-Rod yeah he's um <laughs> he's my type of guy I'll put it that way <laughs> mine too. I'm a the huge tomboy so like everyone's yeah. like a man cave I was like no 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 I want a man well a woman cave but a man cave like yeah. I'm a huge sports person. Like when <laughs> it like comes that. to Saturday football, I will, I schedule my fall around my Penn State games. Oh, Penn State. Okay. I'm an, I'm an Aggie. So I um, know I was going to say that earlier. Yep. I saw the ring. Yep. <laughs> That's what everyone notices. That's hey, but so you know funny. what? Aggies and we're both at, we both agriculture schools though. So uh, it's Penn State. I didn't know that. This is a huge agriculture school. Really? Yeah. One of the guessed. best landscaping architecture schools around like in the country. Very cool. Yeah, so there's like a that. lot in, yeah, we're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Speaking of memorabilia, you can see one right there. I got Vaughn Miller, um, and then the one that's peaking right here, that's J.J. Watt, and then right above us, I got Hakeem Olajuwon, so 
got a got quite a bit here in the office and uh, even more at the house. I have Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith's rookie um, figurine things still in the box. Wow. Those yep, are and real I, collectibles right there. I know. And I have Anthony Hardaway's, um, like, I don't know, you're young, so I don't know if you remember him, but back in the day, he played for Orlando Magic. And he, oh, yeah. I have his rookie card on a plaque. I used to go to all the card shows with my dad. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, anyways, I, know, I can talk uh, for I mean, hours. Cards, cards are um, huge now. Do I they mean, still do them? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I think uh, the Babe Ruth rookie card just sold for like $3.6 million at like a Christie's something or other um a christie's auction yeah it's it's crazy right now oh cool i thought that the cards were not like no one did them anymore i have like literally i kind of thought so too yeah yeah i have boxes and they're all in like sleeves and they're anyways i can talk about this i, I was bet you got a few hundred grand in there go check it I out know. <laughs> my kids want to look through them don't touch them <laughs> anyways um, so do you have any words of advice or wisdom for people at, like coming up, you know, in the industry or like where you're at right now? Um, yeah, I mean, with that, I would really just say, you know, be persistent, uh, surround yourself with the right people and, and stay focused. Um, you know, those would probably be the three pieces of advice I could give. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, you, you can't master a task unless you've, um, you know, attempted it for 10,000 hours. That's kind of what they, you know, what the law of 10,000 hours is, is kind of in the name there. Um, and, and that kind of came, you know, with me, like calling expireds and terminators, you know, it took me about a year or so to get really, really, really good at it to where I didn't have to scramble whenever I got an objection. I just knew it just like that. It was, you know, just second nature to me. Um, so just being persistent, you know, you're not going to see those results immediately and you got to just keep pushing to, to make it happen. Um, and that kind of rolls over into focus, you know, when there, there's things that you do in your business and things that you do on your business. Um, you need to be working in your business in terms of finding leads, right? As a real estate agent, you are no more than a lead generator. If you're not generating leads, you're not making any money unless you just happen to have a bunch of referrals coming in. Uh, and you had to have done something for those referrals to come in. So I'd argue that you lead generated to get those. Um, and, and so what I mean by that is even, uh, I didn't have an office for probably, I don't know, the first 18 months or so. We were kind of just in a, a big common area. Um, and people and, and a lot of real estate agents like to come to the office and just talk and not really get any work done and whatnot. Um, and after I started realizing that I was getting distracted, I put a sign on my back that said, I am making calls. I'm lead generating. You should be too. Do not bother me. If you need to, you can email me at, you know, here's my email, or you can talk to me after, I think it was one o'clock, whatever my call time was. Um, and so that allowed me to focus and kind of build that bunker. That's then, awesome. Yeah. It was I like something that. I I, it was something I learned from uh, the, the one thing, if you've ever read that book. Yes, actually, yeah, so our company, so Brian and Brian, we have a lot of books that we read. And the one thing is the owner, Greg Brian, that's mm -hmm. his like absolute favorite book is the first book I read when we I started with the company. Right there, that's about 14 copies. So I, I give them out to, to clients and whatnot, this right here. So that's I awesome. love it. Oh, it's a book that is the most influential on my life. And, and I've handed out so many people that have said the same thing back to me. So it's, it's really a, a blessing just to give it out to people. Um, uh, what's it called again? I'm sorry. The book? The one, yeah, The One Thing. Okay, I might have by to read Jay, it. Jay Papazon. Oh, absolutely okay. read it, man. It is, it will right. change your life. If you, if you practice what it preaches, you know, just reading it won't do anything. You got to put it into practice. Um, but speaking down. of reading, you know, uh, education and surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, I mean, um, I came to Keller Williams, we're the number one training company in the world, and we have an amazing culture. And I attribute, I would say 90% of my success directly to that. 
if I wasn't in this office, I wasn't being inspired by, uh, by the big dogs here that are making a lot of money living the life that they want to live. Um, I don't think where I'd be where I am. Um, so surrounding yourself with the right people and, and helping or them helping you think big, right? Like I said, I wanted to be a Brinks truck driver or just like, you know, just had thrown that out there. That's not truly what I wanted to be, but it was something that was in the back of my mind. And now here I am a year later, I'm, hopefully the Brinks truck's going to be backing up to me soon, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, thinking big and, and just uh, making those stretch goals um, because, at the end of the day, you got to aim high to hit, hit your target, right? You know, if you're shooting a, an arrow, you're not aiming at the bullseye. You're aiming slightly above it because it's going to gradually go down as it's traveling, depending on the distance. The goals are no different. Aim high and you'll end up hitting your target. Dang, I, that was really good advice. I like that. Once again, I'd like to thank you, Blake, for being on the show today. I hope everyone has a great day. And remember, if you're looking for a reliable inspection company, please check out our website at inspectorteam.com for Brian and Brian Inspections. See you guys next time.